evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Authors Access, where authors get published and published authors get successful. Hi, I'm Irene Watson. I am the Managing Editor of Reader Views in Austin, Texas. And I'm Victor Volkman from Loving Healing Press in Ann Arbor, Michigan. It's July 10th, 2008, and welcome to episode number 66 in our series. Tonight's topic is Creating Powerful Book Covers. And our special guest who will be joining us this hour is Graham Van Dixhorn and Susan Kendrick. You can learn more about our guests on the Authors Access website, which is authorsaccess.com. Please send us your questions and comments to info at authorsaccess.com. Now, Susan Kendrick and Graham Van Dixhorn of Write to Your Market Incorporated help you develop a powerful brand with your book cover so that you can achieve the visibility, recognition, and results of today's most successful authorpreneurs. Their clients report results like selling 125,000 copies of a first book, many based on the title alone. Their clients also use the cover language Susan and Graham create to increase Amazon rankings before their books are even released. Get national media coverage by the L.A. Times, the New York Times, and USA Today. Appear on national TV talk shows, including Dr. Phil and the Today Show, and help them win more than 23 major book awards, including the Ben Franklin, the IPPY, IPPY, Forward Magazine, and DIY, the Do-It-Yourself Award. Susan and Graham serve clients across the U.S. and Canada, England, Europe, and Australia, who are experts in the fields of health, relationships, business management, and many other topics. Welcome, Susan and Graham. Thank you very much. So nice to be here. Well, gosh, it's really great to have you here, too, as I'm listening to you, well, Victor doing the introduction. It's like, my goodness, we're very honored to be speaking to you and to have you on our show. You certainly come with a lot of uh, knowledge and also, gosh, these awards and being on all these talk shows and we're honored. Thank you for being here. Well, thank you so much. We're honored to have this opportunity to, to share information with your listeners as well and uh, perhaps to help uh, in some way get them to the point where they're being interviewed nationally. <laughs> Great. But, you know, as authors, that's exactly what we want is that national recognition. So, of course, today we're talking about powerful book covers, and, you know, there's an, a, as we all know, there's an adage, don't judge the book by its cover. However, we know that, that old adage is an old adage, and that's really not correct. So I just want to get right into that right now, and I want you both to explain to us as to why is it so important to have that book cover that is that hook, that is that powerful marketing tool that is just so important as the first step to the consumer buying that book. Sure, and it's such an important question. You know, for self-published authors, um, their book's cover can be their single most important and powerful marketing tool. You know, the cover contains all the basic marketing components that one needs for the success of a book, both in print and online. And some of the components are obvious, like your title and your subtitle. You know, your title is your hardest working piece of copy. Um, it's the hardest working component of the cover. It builds your brand. It gets attention. It can serve as your website domain name, and so many more things. Uh, the subtitle is vital now and in the future because it often, almost always, accompanies 
the title whenever the title appears or is mentioned. Excuse me, it connects the consumer with uh, what you're offering, you know, because it answers the question, what's in it for me? And your subtitle, <clears throat> excuse me, your subtitle can and should contain keywords and phrases that connect with your reader's needs and help people who are browsing for it find you, <laughs> you know, online especially. So properly done, you know, your back cover copy can serve as the foundation of many of your other marketing efforts like your website uh, content or for media encounters. Um, your, here's an example, your headline, cell copy, benefit, bullets, testimonials, and bio that go on the back cover of a nonfiction book. They're all short, targeted little pieces that readily convert to media talking points, an elevator speech, sound bites. I mean, that's a lot of mileage for 300 words of copy. And I think a lot of of authors, too, um, Graham and I find all the time, are really kind of relieved to find that once they put that um, focus and effort into developing that back cover elevator speech, it becomes kind of a once-and-done sort of a thing where you now have this lexicon of language that you can use throughout your marketing campaign, and it creates a consistency and power for your brand and makes it so much easier to respond um, at a moment's notice if you um, want to approach somebody for um, to be interviewed or be part of something where you're going to get some visibility. You have this language ready to go, so instead of spending a half hour on the phone telling somebody who you are and what you do and why you're so good at doing it, you have that um, uh, body of copy ready to go. That's right, and I just to add to that, and we'll probably discuss this a little bit later on, but you know, you, your question started out with, with the idea that you can't or can judge a book by its cover. And for self-published authors, it's especially important to um, appear professional um, and to give a sense of what you're offering within based on what it looks like and feels like and sounds like without. So for all of those reasons and more, a book cover is an incredibly powerful and important marketing tool and it's one that typically doesn't get a lot of attention until just before it's time to get printed. <laughs> so um, we recommend getting started early, and I'm sure we can talk about that as well. Well, that's so true. And now we're talking about uh, titles and subtitles for uh, nonfiction books. And, of course, we're, I think that that's really important, and I know that this is what you also just said, that how, you know the importance of having a subtitle because that's actually what gives that what's in it for me. What about the... Uh, fiction books? Well, that's a great question, and we do some work with um, fiction books. Um, you know, it's it's a little different because you're probably not talking about, uh, you're probably not going to include a subtitle um, with a fiction book occasionally, but uh, more often than not, it's, it's the title. And, you know, your audience for a fiction book is quite different from a nonfiction book, particularly if you're using your nonfiction book to try to build your business. So for fiction books, um, there's a little more room for sort of obscure creativity, <laughs> if you will. Um, you can you have a little more room to play because the audience is not necessarily <clears throat> expecting an answer to the question, what's in it for me? 
so there's there's a little more flexibility with regard to uh, fiction titles and a little more creativity without restraint. That's a good way to put it, creativity without restraint, because you definitely have to uh, take into account that clarity factor when you're working with a nonfiction book. You know, for example, if you have a great visual image that becomes the title for your book, people still have to understand how that relates to your topic. Whereas if you have a fiction book, you can take some wonderful image from inside the book, inside the story, um, and even if people don't get it or know where it's headed, that image or that phrase can be compelling enough to make them feel like there's just something wonderful here that I want to get into. And then there's always that great kind of surprise or encounter within the book when you kind of run into that phrase in the story and you realize, you know, where the title came from and in what context and all that. So you had, uh, Graham mentioned earlier that it's very important to start the cover process early on in, you know, the whole process of uh, publishing a book. And I'd like to talk a little bit more on that. So why is it so important to start earlier than, you know, all of a sudden the big rush at the end? Well, that's that's a great way of putting it because typically the cover gets put off until the manuscript is complete. And, well, I shouldn't say typically, but often um, it, it gets put off until the manuscript is complete, and you're you're champing at the bit to get uh, to go to print, and then you've got to get your cover uh, done, and and you go to a designer, and you find out that you need your title and subtitle and your back cover copy, and all the while <clears throat> you you could have been. Um, you know, marketing your book with your title and your subtitle in hand. Publishing experts like Dan Pointer and others all agree that starting your cover early on, even while you're, you're, uh, generating your concept for your book has numerous advantages over starting later in the process. Perhaps the least, um, appreciated aspect of starting the cover during the manuscript development stage is that the process of creating your cover helps you dial into the needs and wants of your target audience. So you'll write a better book. Um, you'll write, forgive me, but you'll write to your market. If you start that book cover early, the process that you go through um, of determining who the book is for, what they need and want that you offer that they can't get anywhere else, when you start to answer those questions and look at language that reflects that, um, it causes you to to think a little differently about how you're presenting information in your book. Um, another reason for starting early would be to nail down your title and subtitle so that you can start marketing, you know, before your book is finished. And we can talk about that also. Um, it also, you know, one of the most time-consuming aspects of Putting a cover together is gathering testimonials. Again, this would be for for nonfiction, but it would it also does apply to fiction books as well. Um, but think in terms if you're thinking in terms of um, you know marketing to your audience um, using your cover. Um, it really doesn't matter whether you're talking about fiction or nonfiction. Um, but getting testimonials, particularly for nonfiction books. Um, is a time-consuming process, and if you wait until your book's already done and you're trying to get your cover done, you could be waiting quite a while. <laughs> so there are, are many reasons to start early, but I think among the most powerful is that idea that um, the process of creating the language that goes on your cover 
will really help you focus on the needs and want of and wants of your target audience. Yeah, Graham, those are very good points. Let's get a little bit into specifics in terms of how early are we starting. Give me a, a, a timeline, say in months, about when these various activities happen relative to the going to print date. Let's say you wanted to get your title and your subtitle done so that you could create a graphic thumbnail of your front cover so yeah. that you could post it on your website, other people's websites, your blog, etc., and get some advanced marketing going on it. Then the timeline is as soon as you get it done. <laughs> you know, and I don't mean to be facetious, but but it's really a matter of, you know, how long will it take? Um you know, creating the copy that goes on your cover, that is title, subtitle, and back cover copy, can take yeah. anywhere from a couple weeks to a couple months. It really depends on how focused you are, whether you do it yourself, have someone else do it. Basically, think about perhaps a, a three to six month timeline for the creation of your cover. That would mm-hmm. be your finished cover. Yeah. Um, that can give you a helpful sort of time frame to work with. And within that time frame, you've got development of the title, the subtitle, and any other front cover copy. And if you've got a, a great book and you've got a really high-end endorsement from a well-known person, you might have a, a brief endorsement on the front of your of your book. That process, you know, you think about how long it would take to come up with that, anywhere from a week to a month or more. I mean, we, we have clients that have, for whom the struggle for a title has taken years um, and literally wow. hun- literally hundreds of, of attempts, pages and pages of titles. And, and it's, it can be very laborious in part because in part because it's difficult sometimes to see the forest for the trees as an author. Um, yeah. and, you're, and you're focused on what your book is about rather than what is, what's in it for your audience. The sooner that you get your head around this idea that you're writing a book for someone else's benefit and what do they need and want that they can't get anywhere else but for me, it, it helps the process to go more smoothly. Timeline, though, you know, when you add design into the process, typically the cover front cover design can take anywhere from a couple weeks to a month, and then you need your back cover designed, and they won't start on your spine or your back cover um, until your copy is all done. So that could take, any again, anywhere from a couple weeks to a, a month or more. And, and that's just to get the sort of the words and the design done. That's not to mention, you know, printing, uh, which can take anywhere from, you know, if well, print on demand can go quickly, but it can it can take as long as six weeks. So we like to we like people to try to think ahead and plan ahead, um, and to get the process started early. So that and the other the other reason to do this, it's kind of forgotten in all of this, is is to reduce the stress <laughs> of of the challenging process of getting your your book to print. And the more you can do up front to help you smooth your way through that process, the better. And the less you save for the very end nail-biting, going-to-print deadline date, uh, the better. Yeah, Amen there's an interesting, oh, I was gonna say, there's an interesting um, kind of reason to start that book titling and subtitling process early, too, in addition to not wanting to be at a rush at the end, like Graham said, um, when you do it more at the beginning, you can be creating a book that's 
or a title that's positioning the book the way you want it to be positioned in the market. And then, as Graham said, you can write the book to fulfill the promise that you're creating through your title, your subtitle, even your working back cover. Because sometimes you can get to the end of a book, and we've had this happen with people where you can talk with them and they decide what kind of presence they want their book to have in their given market. But then, wow, it would have been great if we had included this in the book because then we could say this about it on the cover. And if you start that cover process early, you can decide what you want to deliver to your audience and then write the book around that. Um, One other thing about developing the title and subtitle and why it's sometimes such a grueling process for people and why people end up with 15 to 20 pages of ideas that keep kind of missing the mark is a lot of times people are trying to decide how to say something before they decide what to say. And if you can ask yourself some kind of key positioning questions about how you want your book to be perceived to your target audience, how you want it to be differentiated from all the other books out there that may be saturating that market, how you can make your book stand out and really just kind of dominate a whole new approach to the topic. Um, If you can decide what you're going to say about your book, it makes it much easier to then decide how you're going to say it and what words you're going to choose instead of just kind of going through this gamut of, um, you know, different phrases that don't really even capture the whole essence of the book. So it's a very simple tool, but if you can back up and decide um, what you need to say and be sure about that and then decide how to say it. And also, you know, Graham would probably speak to this too about um, making sure that you incorporate search engine, uh, you know, keywords into the title or subtitle to make sure that you get that online visibility that you want without even kind of lifting a finger once the book is out there and doing its thing. Yes, and in fact, that's a really big, big point because these days it's important to own the URL or the domain name that reflects your book. And in fact, we always check to make sure that the URL for a given title is available before we suggest it to a client. But that's an important factor to consider. And as Susan says, in conjunction with that, um, utilizing keywords, um, search engine optimized uh, language, uh, words and phrases that people are actually looking, uh, using to look for topics, um, the more likely you are to be found uh, by, especially by people that are randomly browsing. Um, But you'll be in the right neighborhood all the while, and you'll be there from the very beginning. If uh, if you get the process started early, yeah, I really like the idea of starting with the title and then building your book around that because I mean, also it gives you a, a touchstone to compare and what is what I'm writing right now in service of the title of this book, so it, it can keep the author from wandering off into the weeds. Well, well, which can happen very easily, and it's a great way to stay organized and stay focused. Yes. You know, because the writing of the book can be hard enough as is, and if you have a path in front of you that can be a self-correcting kind of a path, um, it's really, really helpful. It helps in the organize, you know, how you organize your book and everything. Just a quick aside, um, I I have lost count at this point of the number of uh, folks that have approached us for approached us for help with their covers. Um, very, very close to wanting to go to print, and they're in a very big hurry, and they come with their with their front cover copy, their title and their subtitle, and I, I do a quick search, and I find out there are a dozen books already by that name. And 
And so that's another aspect of this process to keep in mind is the company that you're going to keep. Um, and you really don't want a book uh, title that's the same as another title, um, except under very unusual circumstances. A book that's been long, long out of print, for example, or perhaps one that is completely and totally different from from your topic, but um, we we recommend shying away from a title that's exactly the same as another title, um, so that you're not confused, so that there's no delay between someone wanting what you have and finding it. Um, and uh, in many cases, it turns out that the company that you would be keeping with that similar title is not necessarily company that you would choose to come to dinner with you. So it's um, a, a, another factor to consider in that early stage of the process. Absolutely. Uh, I tell people that I, I actually look at the Library of Congress website because the Amazon catalogs aren't reliable in terms of searching for titles. Absolutely it's, true. And there are, you know, there are a, a lot of places to look. Um, but the Library of Congress is the ultimate source. And um, it just it's just important to do that sort of diligence um, before you settle on something so that you don't have to panic and reinvent the wheel, you know, at the last minute. It can be done. It's done all the time, but it's better not to. <laughs> <laughs> it's better to have that peace of mind going in. And it's, it's important for people to know, if they don't know this already, that book titles are not copyrightable, which means that there Absolutely. is nothing in the way of you using the same title as somebody else, but it's for your own sense of identity and uniqueness and visibility and credibility and all of that that you want to create something that's unique to you. And one thing that we help people with when working on titles or even the language they use in that 300 words and less on their back cover is that try to use words that could only describe your message, your approach, Mm. your book. If you're looking at something and you think, could I use these same words to describe this other book on personal finance or this other book on parenting? Then just kind of keep scratching away at the surface a little bit and use, you know, dynamic language that can only pertain to your book. And the closer you strive for that, you don't always get it 100%, but the more you strive for that, the more you create a message that really speaks to what you have to offer people that they can't get anywhere else and that is really valuable for them and likely a solution they're looking for that they haven't run into before. Oh, that that is just an excellent point. Um, I mean, it really comes down to, you know, you, you basically have, as an author, you have sort of two options in marketing your book, two general options. One is to try to stand out in a crowded field, and the other is to create a new niche and dominate it. So standing on a crowded field requires... Um, an identification of your uniqueness and uh, your unique selling proposition and the things that you offer that no one else does and that kind of thing um, in in a, an exciting and clear way. Um, creating a new niche and dominating it often means a bit of education um, and also creating that, that buzz and excitement around these new ideas um, and getting people connected to the benefits of those ideas um, you know, immediately, instantly. Um, but, but when it comes down to it, you're either, you're either swimming in a sea with a lot of other fish or you're, you're in a pond all by yourself. So, um, if you can sort of think in those terms, it's, it, it turns out that 
you'll be able to get your message to your audience in in the way that's going to speak to them and is going to mean something to them and using language that's going to mean something to them rather than simply just trying to teach them what your what your book's about. Yeah, uh, Graham, I uh, went to, to your website as I was listening here, Rob, you talking, and I went to uh, bookcovercoaching.blogspot.com, which is your blog, and I'm just going to say this again for the reading audience, or listening audience, uh, in case they want to go there, bookcovercoaching.blogspot.com. And I had to smile when I went to your this blog because the first thing I see is the book cover, and in these huge letters, black letters, highlighted in yellow, it says, getting over divorce. And I had to smile because, I mean, is that ever a hook? The rest of it is the, guy, uh, the guy's only guide to getting over divorce and on with life, sex, and relationships. And, but that getting over divorce just, like, hooks you right now. So anybody walking down the aisle of any bookstore will see that. And if they are in that situation, I mean, they'll just be drawn right to it. And definitely it's one of those what's in it for me. Well, yeah, exactly. And what's interesting there, it's, that's a pretty good marriage of uh, words and design. Mm-hmm. I was just going to say the exact same thing. <laughs> and, and that, you know, that's clearly an important part of covering your book. Um, you know, we are not design experts. Um, but we work with design experts, and when it when it really clicks, this is what you get. You know, you get you get powerful language that draws you in, um, and a design that accentuates and highlights the language, um, and and also confirms and builds on um, and accentuates the brand. So you know that that's a great you make a great point. Uh, you know, you <laughs> getting over divorce, and here's a guy peering over the lid <laughs> of the book. Um, yeah. You know, it's it's a clever design. Um, I, we there's a lot of things about that book that we like. Um, you know, guys only guide um, really really dials into um, the end user audience. Um, and, uh, you know, there's just a lot about it that really works. But that's a classic uh, example of uh, a proper marriage of words and design. You know what? That that uh, book cover is also a really good example of the topic of that article, and that is that sometimes, you know, we keep talking about how your target market is your reader and how you need to appeal to them and let them know what you can do for them. And that article is interesting that you can get to more simply at just bookcovercoaching.com. But sometimes you have, with many books, um, a secondary target market where you're going to want to partner with different people who can refer your book. You know, if this is a book that has to do with um, relationships, you might want other counselors, ministers, therapists, um, different associations to also think that your book is really a trustworthy guide and get behind you and get it out there to people they think it can help. So you want to create a book. And the reason I say that about this book is that this could have gone different directions and the word sex could have been, you know, bigger and bolder, but we needed this book cover to appeal to the overall life-changing benefits available for men as they're going through divorce and uh, be centered on some of those bigger issues. And we want it to be a really trustworthy guide that people would feel comfortable referring to 
um, you know, other readers and whatnot. So it's kind of interesting that that secondary market is a big consideration depending on the topic of your book. Oh, and that is a. Do we have a moment to talk about that? Of course, go ahead. Please, um, because that's a, a just a critical uh, point that Susan's making, and it it's unbelievable how many books actually have multiple uh, target audiences um, or what Susan called a secondary audience. And just to give you an example, um, if you had a book for, I'll give you a couple examples. One would be a, a book for teens. Um, and in fact, she's got an example there, I believe, of a book for, um, for, it's for girls, teenage girls to, to, um, to talk, you know, to feel comfortable talking with their moms about, you know, stuff that matters. Um, of course, the teens aren't buying the book, you know, it's the moms that are buying the book. Um, but it's the teens that the book is intended for. So what a tricky, balance that is because you know hip teenagers um aren't going to want to read some book meant for their mothers and mothers aren't going to buy a book that's too out there or is promoting something that they don't approve of for their daughters so it's kind of a fine line um and you know getting the best of both is a, a balancing act that that um happens quite often another case in point um an empl- uh, it's a business book, let's say a business book that's um, perhaps intended for, um, you know, managers or employees, but it's, let's say it's your, it's the business owner that you're actually going to go through to get into the company to sell your book and to maybe do some speaking. You know, that, you can't totally slam the owner um, in your book, even though maybe that's what you should do. And, <laughs> and, uh, at the same time, you know, you can't, you can't make the employee look like a heel either. So it, you know, there's all kinds of situations where this comes up. Um, people that are in change or crisis, um, their books might be, your book might be meant for them, but it may be therapists, counselors, psychologists, psychiatrists, who are who are buying it to give to their patients, for example. So uh, the the multiple t- target audience or the uh, primary and secondary audience um, should always factor into your thinking with regard to the copy um, and and also design, um, but primarily the copy um, on your cover. It's just a huge important thing to consider, and many 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 books. Um, actually fall into that category and we should really just state the obvious that in terms of who buys books the vast majority of books um, are purchased by women mm-hmm. whether it's I mean I've seen 85 percent I've seen almost 90 percent I've seen slightly less um, percentage of books you know purchased in the U.S. are purchased by women even if they're purchasing it for a man for their son for their husband for their um, you know their grand child or whatever it's still women that are buying books and it's you know middle-aged and older women that are buying the majority of those books so that's another factor to keep in mind you have to keep the woman factor in the back of your mind if not in the forefront um, when you're considering you know marketing your book and and what should be going on there you know this is just mind-boggling here i'm scribbling all these uh, notes down here i hope it can make sense of them i want to talk a little bit about um, endorsements and testimonials and blurbs for the back of the cover and you know how give us some pointers on how we are to get these and what really should go on 
on the back of endorsements and just that whole gamut about the endorsements. Absolutely. Um, we have a number of principles that we follow for obtaining really powerful endorsements or other, otherwise known as testimonials <clears throat> from, from um, people that you're hoping to endorse your book. If, if you're talking about endorsements that are going to go on the front cover of your book, in other words, an endorsement, um, and you'll see this quite often, you'll see a single endorsement at the top of a, of a book, uh, the front cover of a book, it, you, you absolutely need to consider um, the three Ps, and that is what we call the three Ps, person, uh, position, or place. Um, the person being a, you know, a well-known person, um, the position being a high position, and the place being an outfit, organization, company, whatever, that's widely known. If, if it doesn't meet one or all of those criteria, then you shouldn't put it on the front. And really, if it doesn't meet any of those criteria, you probably shouldn't put it on the back either. Um, so the first thing to consider is aim high. Go for the biggest name or the biggest title or the biggest company or organization representative thereof that you possibly can in your topic or related topic. Um, and don't, you know, you may have to settle for, you know, less than the very top, but, but you may not have to settle either if you go through a certain process that we can talk about right now. Um, what we suggest to our clients and what we have found has worked very, very well is after you've aimed high and identified a number of people um, that you want to go after for testimonials, and remember, you're giving them visibility as well. And if your book has merit um, and they see that you're doing it professionally, um, there's a pretty good chance that they're going to um, buy in. It, the, the trick is to get them to buy in in a timely fashion. <laughs> so um, here's what we suggest. And, and this is um, some of these things are suggested by others as well in the self-publishing industry. Um, and so your listeners may have heard of some of these things. But um, the, the first thing to do is to go through the gatekeeper for this important, busy, famous person. And in other words, their uh, personal assistant, their agent, their, um, you know, whoever, whoever takes care of their schedule and who sort of runs the show for the person. Um, and, and connect with them on a human level and, you know, ex briefly, quickly explain what you're after and ask them, what is the best way to approach this person with my request? And let them tell you what they you should do. In other words, do they need to see some sample chapters? Do they need to see the whole manuscript? Um, you know, do they do they need to see the front cover, or are they okay with you know just a just the the you know an un, unimproved galley or whatever? Um, and and any biographical information they might require, a website they could visit. Um, remember to try to make it easy for the person to get involved. And the best way that we have found to simulate ease is to generate a number of sample testimonials. In other words, create um, mock testimonials that, you, that you'd love to see on your cover and send them as samples to this person and suggest that they can feel free to sign off on one of them 
or if they'd prefer to create one of their own. So you, you're giving them an easy way to interact with you. They can just read through. <clears throat> this just happened recently for a client. Um, I generated five or six sample testimonials and sent them off to Dr. Oz, um, who is Oprah's health expert, and he signed off on one. And so my client will have Dr. Oz's testimonial on the front of his book. Um, Saying exactly the right thing to really support that book. Well, Susan, that's a huge point because a testimonial, you know, is not about, um, you know, blowing the horn so much as it is, again, about, you know, highlighting a couple of key benefits of the book um, because, when it comes right down to it, nobody's going to put a, a negative testimonial on their book. So everyone expects that testimonials are going to be glowing. And the fact is that for a lot of readers, all they're doing is skimming to see who the, who's giving the testimonial. But that doesn't mean that you should ignore the language of the testimonial, but instead use it to further support the key positioning points that you're trying to make on the cover of your book. Um, and in fact, I've often used testimonials as, you know, another component of positioning of that book. I'll have the, the testimonials say something that is vitally important, uh, with regard to positioning the book. Um, but it's coming from somebody else. So it's not just yet another thing that is being said about the book. Um, so, those are some tips for getting good testimonials. It's a time, it can be a time consuming process. I've had clients that have actually had spreadsheets, um, where, you know, like Excel spreadsheets where they have listed all of their hopefuls, um, all of the hopefuls titles and their area of expertise and, um, gone through and, and, you know, made sample testimonials for each of those categories of person. I mean, you can get really uh, type A about it, um, or you could just, you know, be a little bit more organized and, and you know, do it in the way that I suggested. But either way, if you do a little work up front, get ready, um, connect with the gatekeeper, send them what they need, and keep it easy and light and quick and friendly, and be grateful as heck, um, you'll, you'll probably have a lot more success um, than if you sort of, um, you know, write them a letter um, asking if they will please endorse your book, which is what people often do. Wow, that's, that's a real good pointer, if anything, you know, but you've just given us so many great pointers, and I wish we had time to just go on and on. I'm sure this could be an all-afternoon conversation. But before we close off, I do want to mention to our listening audience about actually your website, which is writetoyourmarket.com, and when they go to the website, there's actually this little window that comes through, and you can sign up for a free special report, which is from back cover to bestseller, how to write Buy Me Now, back cover sales copy. And I ordered it, and wow, it is so full of information. So I just really encourage our listeners to go and at least get that, browse around your website, browse around your blog. You have so much information there. And, well, uh, thank you very much. Um, you know, there are a couple places if, uh, you know, there on our website we have sort of before and after samples. Um, we do have some, um, samples of, um, of different covers. Um, same, same with the blog. The blog tends to be a little bit more educational. 
um, informational. Um, and uh, Susan, where can uh, where can folks go if they'd like to uh, take a little look at some of the uh, products and services we offer? Uh, there's a page on the website uh, that's called Marketing Tools, and you can get there directly just by going to bookcovertools.com. And the interesting thing was, in the beginning of our conversation, you were asking about a timeline. And there is um, kind of our hallmark product that we've put together that's on that page, and it's called Cover That Book, Insider Secrets for Writing and Designing a Best-Selling Book Cover. And it's a complete navigational look at what you need to uh, do a lot of the things that we were talking about here tonight. It even includes 13 different very specific book title strategies, kind of a fill-in-the-blank approach to creating book titles. It talks, it uh, includes um, conversations with um, a leading book cover designer, and it also includes PDFs. And one of those PDFs is a timeline so that you can really kind of have in front of you a visual reference for what, how long certain parts of the book cover process can take and what you can expect. Um, but it's just, uh, if you go to, um, you can click on the uh, link for complete details, and it just gives you a brief overview of what's in that double CD program, but it's called Cover That Book. So I thought in answer to that um, timeline question, there's some good information there that's been kind of thoroughly researched, talked about, and put together. But that whole page is bookcovertools.com, and it's on our website. Victor and Irene, we are really grateful for your having us on your, your program. And uh, perhaps we can connect uh, down the road a piece and uh, and do it again on with some more detail on another topic. Thank you, Susan and Graham. It's really been great. <laughs> Thanks Thank very much. Thank you both so much. It's just been a pleasure being your guest. You ask great questions and have as much passion for all of this as we do. So that's always very exciting and gratifying to join up. You are welcome. Okay. You've been listening to another podcast edition of Authors Access where authors get published and published authors get successful. We'll be back on the air July 17th, 2008, when our topic will be Becoming Successful in the Christian Literary Genre. And our guest who will be joining us is Pam Perry. You can learn more about all our guests on the Authors Access website, which is authorsaccess.com. We'd love to hear from you about tonight's show. Please send us your questions and comments to info at authorsaccess.com. Authors Access is a joint production of Reader Views Incorporated and Loving Healing Press. And for Reader Views, this is Irene Watson in Austin, Texas, saying good night. For Loving Healing Press, this is Victor Wolfman in Ann Arbor, Michigan, wishing you all a good evening.